Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. Hello and welcome in to episode 7, season 1 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting uh, with Tom Sims. I'm Jason Tiffin, we're your host, and Tom, I, I did not think we could make it to episode 7. I thought our sponsors would bail on us by now, but they haven't, so that, that's good news. So how was your weekend? <laughs> it was good. Ah, cut, cut, let's start over. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, man, it was good. I tell you... Uh, I, I I saw something not only interesting, but it, it made my stomach turn on Sunday, sickening. I mean, you're familiar with DraftKings, right? Have you played it at all? I am. Have not. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> DraftKings just generally, you know, they have they have a ton of people playing it. I mean, an absolute ton. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can spend you know just a couple of bucks on a a, a game, two or three dollars. This one in particular, I think, had a three dollar buy in. But they have so many players, like over half a million players on this one thing, or over fifty thousand, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it was over fifty thousand on this one, whatever it was. That the the prize pools are huge, and uh, I was playing Sunday in an afternoon. It was the afternoon game, so you know there are only three games in the NFL in the afternoon, and uh, I was just checking to see where I was finishing near the end of you know the all three games were wrapping up, and and I looked over and and there was only there was about thirty seconds left to go in the Bears Broncos game, but the other two games were finished. So I checked the the overall leaderboard, you know. There was a guy yeah. on the top of the leaderboard called Mr. Wonka Man, and he was at the top of the standing. So if you play DraftKings, you'll see like when you're ranked, it, it, it gives you lifetime rankings, and mm-hmm. associated with those lifetime rankings, it tells you if you finish in that place how much you're how much you stand to win. Wonka there yeah. was 
in first and was, you know, he was in in a position to win a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's what first place paid one hundred. I mean, real yeah, yeah. dollars. They're gonna send him a check for a hundred grand. That's crazy off a three dollar <laughs> entry fee. Yes, it um, is. So, 30 seconds left to go in the Bears-Broncos game, and I don't know if you watched it. You don't like the NFL, so you probably didn't, but... I heard about it. Yeah, late in that game, 30 seconds to go, or under 30 seconds to go, Broncos throw a touchdown pass to Emmanuel Sanders. Okay, so... With over 50,000 players in there, you know there's a bunch of people that have Sanders, particularly when there's only three teams there. So, you know, people that mm-hmm. got points for Sanders started moving up. Well, this guy was 30 seconds away from winning 100,000. He dropped to 27th place with that one touchdown. Do you know what the the dollar amount difference between first and 27th was? I'm going to say 97,000 bucks. <laughs> More. <laughs> <laughs> he won seven hundred dollars. Sorry about your luck. No doubt, man. I was <laughs> sick for that guy. I mean, if you were looking at that and, and there was a hundred grand out beside your name, and there was thirty seconds left to go in the game, and all you needed was a defensive stop, and this thing was over, yeah, and you yeah. could count your money, dude. That oh, I was crushed, and I have no idea where even Wonka Man's from, but I was crushed for him. That is a very interesting story, Tom, and uh, that was not in our notes, but I, I thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel, you know, if Mr. Wonka, man, it could easily be me after my weekend of betting, as we will get into uh, later in the podcast. But, yeah, I've not played DraftKings. Like I said, I have a uh, – Toodley's brother-in-law was – that's all he did for a while. He – Quit his job, got let go, whatever happened. And he was he played fantasy football for like two years. And he won <laughs> because that's all he did. He, he wow. you know, he was 40 hours a week uh, studying studying who he needed to draft. And he, he made some serious bank. I don't know that he ever won six figures, but I think he, you know, made enough to pay the rent from time to time. Nice. So uh, enough of the NFL. Let's jump into uh, let's jump into the word of the day. And I have the word of the day today, and it's one that we all know, and it's in- incompetent. It will be easily usable if we so choose. Incompetent means inadequate to or unsuitable for a particular response. Can you use it in a in- sentence, please? Incompetent. I can use it in a sentence. The ACC refs proved over the course of at least two games this past weekend to be incompetent. Ah, context. More on that later. (laughs) All right. So we're going to do a little something different uh, this time. You know, we do our winners, we do our losers, we do our meaningless topic of the day and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I put it when I emailed Tom, I, I do the, uh, you know, Tom is responsible for about 99.5% of production. Uh, my responsibility is to do the outline. And, uh, so I, I told him I wanted to do a rant and I didn't want to tell him what it was about. And he said, dude, that's fine. Let's, let's do it. So here's my rant and it's going to lead us into the winners. But Tom, we have Bama fans that do not deserve Nick Saban. Okay. You agree or disagree, or would no, you like me to continue on? No, no, I, I want to see where this is going, my friend. I okay. was I was sitting well, over here in quiet anticipation. <laughs> well, here's the deal: since when did winning a conference game on the road by 24 points become a disappointment? 
Now, I understand if you're beating a cellar dweller, Vandy or Kentucky, and and let me stop myself right there. I do understand Vandy has been better lately. Kentucky has been much better lately. But let's look over the course of the past 30 or 40 years. If you were in a – if you're in an eliminator league like you and I are both in, you're going to – you're not going to pick Vandy or Kentucky until you have to. And – I would say, see if you agree with me here, I would say USC is kind of on par with Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Do you agree? I mean, somewhat, they're somewhere yes. around that. that I mean, yes. they're, they're, they're in that Bama. range. They're, yeah. they're not a lot. They're a team you got to look for a win to get. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, they're, they're not Bama, Georgia. They're not Florida, LSU. But they're also not a perennial cellar dweller. And I got on Twitter after the game, during the game, after the game, and people are complaining about our defense, complaining about our kicking game, complaining about our rushing game. I'm like, damn, dude, just we, we just beat a team by 24 points. And mind you, mind you, with 12 seconds left, we had a 47 to 16 lead. And if it weren't for a a very questionable targeting call, we win that game by 31 targeting, instead of 24. Targeting. Targeting, not targeting. Hashtag, baby. Targeting, not targeting. <laughs> but we, we, that's a 31-point win over a team that, if you remember last year, put up 500 yards passing against Clemson. And our, their one touchdown was a freaking dime dropped in a phone booth that Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, quarterbacks of that nature, throw on Sundays. I mean, we had we had great coverage. We, there's that was the indefensible pass. That was their only touchdown. They tried a fake field goal, a fake punt, an onside kick. I mean, Gus Malzahn is so pissed that he is not leading the conference in trick plays. I heard that he, you know, he always goes to Waffle House. I heard he went to Waffle House and ordered his hash browns. Let me find it in my notes. Dang it, I know I wrote it down. Yes, here it is. Scattered, he ordered his hash browns. Close, smothered, covered, <laughs> chunked, diced, peppered, cap, topped, and country. Yes, sir. He got them to put <laughs> sausage gravy on his damn hash browns. Okay, so Bama fans that are blowing up Twitter about how bad we are and how upset you are that we're not – you know, this is not the Bear Bryant days where we run the wishbone and and we're shutting people out, you know. Uh, we're winning games 21 to nothing. Uh, thirty-one to three. Dude, those days are gone. We're, you're going to have an occasional game. We beat Duke forty-two to three, forty-two to six. That's going to be an outlier. Right. All right, let me let me see if these Bama fans. Let's 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 take a trip down memory lane. Let's go back to Gene Stalling. Do we want to go to the Gene Stallings era? No, sir. Bama no, in sir. 1993. No, sir. 1993. Bama seventeen. South Carolina six. Oh, by God, we held them to six points. Is that? I mean, is that what we want? Maybe we want um, – who's next? Dubos, 1998, Mike Dubos. Bama uh-uh. 30, Ole Miss 20, 10-point win. <laughs> Coach Fran, Coach Fran, 2001, Bama 12, Vandy 9. I'm assuming we somehow made four field goals. Lord knows how many we missed. And not, last but not least, 2005, Mike Shula, Bama 24, Arkansas 13. Is that Damn. what these people want to go back to? I'm just disgusted mm-hmm. no. that, that we Mike cannot Price. enjoy. Listen, I, 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 well, the spring game, exactly. <laughs> I don't remember what the score of the spring game was, but dang it, I'm sure it was a, a defensive struggle. <laughs> um, I mean, all right, here's, and I'm about to wrap this up. Are there concerns on the Bama team? Sure. 
The running game is not what we're used to. We're not, you know, what concerned me is we didn't get off the field on third down. And we've talked about Clemson a little bit last year. That game was even, Steven, until you factor in third downs. And they dominated and we were inept. And, and that was, we were incompetent, if you will. Uh, but here's the deal. Enjoy the games. Saban is not going to live forever, and Tua has a maximum of 12 games left. So, Bama fans, I had to I had to unfollow some people, so I'm sure they're not listening to the podcast. But if you are listening to the podcast, dude, <laughs> relax, take a deep breath. We're not going to hold everybody to 10 or less points. Let's enjoy Tua. Let's enjoy Saban. These are our salad days. End of rant. You hear that? That's me throwing away my notes. <laughs> I was hoping You're... it was a applause. <clears throat> <laughs> it's a it's a good rant, but I, I'm and don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not I'm not sitting here as a Bama basher, but as an analyst, you know, as an official analyst for the Tide. Yeah, I saw I saw some holes. There's no doubt. Um. I, I I was I was prepared to talk about this, and now I'm afraid I'm, I'm like wanting to uh, s- step on eggshells around you after that rant. I'm not sure I should tread even lightly, say this. my friend. <laughs> I, could, I don't think I want to unfollow you on Twitter, and I will change the password to our joint account, and you will not get it. So tread well, lightly. Here, 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 here's the deal, and and I'm going to go off the cuff here a little bit because you're exactly right, and I and I'm. I'm as spoiled as the next guy with what we're doing, and I am enjoying the crap out of it. There is no doubt. And when the and when the day comes when Saban retires, and we're we're I mean we're still going to be Bama. I mean we've we've always been Bama. We'll be contenders, you know. Maybe not as uh, frequently as we'd like, but we'll be contenders. Uh, but when those days comes, yes, it, it will be an absolute joy to beat South Carolina like that. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, when you're when you know that you have a team that's capable, and this has not always been the the case with, I mean, like even in 1992, when we won the the championship, we didn't go into that season going, you know, we're capable of winning the national championship. We were we were there for every game. I mean, we were, you know, the game was coming up, and mm-hmm. that was we hoped we could win, and and we thought we were really good. And the defense got better as the course year went on, and we got behind them. But I mean, it it was not like you coming through that year going, Bama's the team to beat. I mean, that yeah. was not the case. Uh, now you feel like it is, and. So when when you do feel like you're the team to beat or when you do feel like you should be there at the end, you kind of start looking down the road a little bit, which you shouldn't do, and Saban would ream my ass for that statement. But you look down the road <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you go, you know, do, what are we doing now that's good enough to beat a Clemson, that's good enough to beat a Ohio State, LSU and Auburn, and, and what are the things that we're not doing? You know that are the things that we're doing now that could get us beat. You know, and, that, and that's the way that I was kind of looking at this game and England. See, I'm really putting a lot of caveats on this, so you don't ring me here. So, but <laughs> ultimately, what it come down to to me was that Bama's defensive stats really didn't reflect a 24 point road win. They just didn't. South Carolina. Yeah. 
had sustained drives of 60 yards, 75 yards, 77 yards, 71 yards, 34, 45, 48, and 76 yards. They, I mean, and that that wasn't all their drives. I mean, they had some non-productive short ones as well. But that's a significant amount of sustained ball movement. I mean, it just is. That's not the kind of defense that we're used to putting on the field. But I just listed off. Let me let's see here. There's six. There's eight sustained drives that I just listed listed off. In last year's championship game against Clemson, Clemson went 75, 65, 47, 61, 76, 89, and 94. That's only seven sustained drives. Mm-hmm. I guess the point that I'm making here that it's concerning. Um, the offense can overcome a lot of stuff, but you know, it, it, right now, whether we want to believe it or not, we're playing very similarly to Oklahoma. You know, we're just uh, – and I'm, I'm hoping that South Carolina's got a better offense than, than I think they do. But, you know, that hasn't been the case when they were playing more mediocre teams. And maybe, like, in years past, we've noticed this a lot too. People get up for Bama. They really do. And quarterbacks tend to play mm-hmm. some of the best, you know, games they'll ever do against us just because of adrenaline or whatnot. But I don't know. That's, that's just a, a defensive take that – yeah, it's subject to bite us in the postseason if we don't watch out. So I'm I'm hoping that the the young guys start stepping up a little bit and gel a little bit more. But that that was my concerning point against Bama and Carolina, completely in the face of what you were scolding me for before I started. <laughs> well, I mean, you there's valid points uh, to be made, and I I'll close it out with this right here. You know, there was a as a freshman quarterback that was uh, quarterbacking South Carolina this weekend. And 20 years ago, if he had those numbers as a freshman, it, you'd be very concerned. But, dude, freshmen are ready now. They, you know, Bo Nix is playing they adequate are. at Auburn. He's getting better every week. Um, you know, Tua was a freshman. Fromm was a freshman. Trevor Lawrence was a freshman. Uh, Jared. No, well, what's the name? Rosen, the guy from UCLA, a couple, three or four years back, he was a freshman, played yep. well. So that is not near as concerning in 2019 as it would have been in, in 1999. So uh, I think we covered, adequately covered Bama. Uh, our other winner was Florida, and I've got you in my notes going first on Florida, Tom. So knock it out. I love it when your notes get me going first. This game against Kentucky was practically even stat-wise across the board. But is it supposed to be? I mean, Florida's a top-10 team. If Kentucky throws one less interception, they had three, by the way, they likely win this game. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Missouri will finish ahead of Florida in these. You know I'm high on them. This is a paper tiger ranking for the Gators, and they're nowhere near deserving a top 10 ranking. I got Bama, Auburn, LSU, A&M, Georgia, and Missouri ahead of them in the SEC. If Florida is number nine in the country, then I'm not planning to drink the rest of the season. Pro hint, I am. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I agree, Florida, and, and you know, with with uh, Felipe Franks going out, that might actually be a silver lining for them. He was not playing very well, and um, shockingly, you know, here's the bottom line: Kentucky should be on a three game winning streak against Florida right now. You remember two years ago, they absolutely blew a coverage uh, in yep. on the goal line, 
And then, of course, last year they beat them, and this year, wow. Bama fan, you think Bama fans uh, felt Kentucky's pain when that field goal hung out wide left or wide right? Never, it never had a chance. He hung it out and it never, it never came in. But yep. you know they should have gone for the end zone. Never trust a kicker. And listen, I'm related to two kickers, but never trust a kicker. Always try to get an end zone. <laughs> uh, I will say this, Kentucky. I, I've I've been praising Kentucky lately. Uh, on this podcast, and they they're continually making continuing to make me a believer uh, post the Benny Snell era. And I, you know, they go to Mississippi State this weekend, and who knows? Yeah, you know, that's a seven point line. And I tell you what, it, I'd be hard pressed to take Mississippi State, <laughs> considering I took them heavy last weekend. So, Florida, Bama, that was our two feature games last week. Very lean slate last week. So we got we will have two much better games this week to talk about. Uh, let's move on to the losers. And man, I'm so upset. <laughs> In our first podcast of the season, Tennessee does not make this segment. They smashed uh, Chattanooga 45 to nothing, if memory serves. But oh, I tell wow. you who's making a repeat appearance is Florida State. I think they're third in a row. Yeah, we nice. had them last. I think we had them last week. Yeah, we did uh, against Louisiana Monroe when they squeaked out a 45 44 victory. Uh, the clock operator, he did screw up. Florida State should have had around seven seconds left, at which they could have spiked the ball and ran a play better than the play they ran with four seconds left, which was to put the quarterback <laughs> and the running back side by side, and then the quarterback move over, the running back step in and take a direct snap from four yards away in the shotgun. So he's a good he's a good eight, nine yards from the goal line. And it did not look that like there was a passing option. He just ran, and they tackled him, and the game ended, and it was like, wow, how much more can Willie Taggart screw up? <laughs> I mean, he, he amazes us every week. But, yeah, Florida State, they are it's, – it's, you and I, have, we've, we've talked about it, and that's beer number two for Tom, by the way. It's a small <laughs> alcohol problem. Uh, we've talked about it. You know, when we were in our late teens, early 20s, in our Ute, we Utes. were, yeah, you know, Ute, you know, like a young person. <laughs> Thank you, Judge. <laughs> oh, you you totally missed it. You you had every opportunity to say, oh, Utes. I'm sorry, Utes. <laughs> yes, Utes. <laughs> we never could envision a time where we would see Florida State be one and two and just a shell of a once proud program, but they are my loser number one. Okay, so first off, I think this is the last time we should talk about irrelevant teams. I mean, FSU is in our loser section, as you pointed out, for the third time. So really, at this point, we expect them to be there. Uh, You can't spell Willie without one W and two L's. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Nice. Huh? Didn't, huh? didn't see it coming. Huh? <laughs> Real though, if FSU can't win in today's ACC, you might as well spend the $17 million getting a bidding war for Urban Meyer at this point. I mean, speaking, yeah. speaking of the weak-ass ACC, Clemson also finds their way onto the losers list as well, even though they blew, uh, uh, blew out another overmatched ACC squad. Would you like me to go on? I would because, you know, Tom, like I said, I do the the outline, and I gave Tom about five or six choices, and he jumped on Clemson. I was glad he did (laughs) because they are – they're in a bind. Go ahead and and do your spill, and I will retort. 
All right. As we mentioned previously on this podcast, by the way, we seem to have an uncanny ability to see into the future, uh, minus the you know the wagering. Clemson has <laughs> likely played the toughest team they'll face all year, all year two weeks ago against A&M, and we called that. And A&M's likely mm-hmm. the what fourth place team in the West. Their yes. second toughest team, as proclaimed by the national pundits, would have been Syracuse, who got blown out two weeks ago by Maryland before falling on their sword last week to Clemson. I mean, their schedule is weaker than Bud Light. Three games into the season, they only have one undefeated team left on their schedule. Now, just think about that a second. One team out of their 12-game schedule has made it through the first three games unscathed. You know who that is? Mm-hmm. Wake Forest. Uh, Let, let's well. do a su- yeah. <laughs> let's do a suppose, shall we? What if? Love the what if game. What if Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Notre Dame run the table? Who gets left out of the playoff? I mean, Clemson will have played a grand total of possibly zero. At most, one top twenty team. A&M's got a gauntlet of a schedule to go through. Do you do you let them in on name recognition? Do you let them on, in on what they did last year? I mean, I'm not. And trust me, I'm not here arguing that they're not one of the best or even the best team out there. But what do you base it on if you're not going to base it on last year's results? I mean. This ACC makes anyone look good, except for Florida State, of course. I'll tell you this. Not that I think they're in danger of losing a game, but if they slip up like they've done in the past, they will not get in the playoffs. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. You know, we had talked about this off the record, and they – Here's the thing on on the five that you that you gave, which was uh, Bama SEC champ is all conference champs uh, minus the Pac-12. You had Bama, you had Oklahoma, both undefeated. You had Notre Dame, independent undefeated, meaning they beat Georgia this weekend, which will not happen. But anyway, for hypothetical situation, and then you had Clemson undefeated and, and Ohio State, uh, Ohio State, Ohio State. I'm, I could, I'm rescinding and, and my Michigan way, pick. <laughs> By the way, if I had a vote right now for number one team in the nation, it'd go to it'd go to Ohio State. I know they've not really played anybody, but dude, their game control that that metric that ESPN keeps up with, their game control is off the charts. I mean, they dude, I just went legit. on a whole rant about Clemson not playing anybody. You can't stick Ohio State up there now. Well, uh, okay. Anyway, back to my point is the only reason with five undefeateds, the only reason I put Clemson in over Notre Dame is because Notre Dame has proven time and time again they're not ready for prime time. But but hey, you raise a great point because if Notre if Notre Dame is undefeated, that means they have beaten Georgia on the road, which is currently number three, and would most likely even if they lost to Notre Dame, won the East, lost to Bama, they're going to be no what number nine or ten at the final poll. They will have beaten Michigan. They, they've got a pretty solid schedule ahead of them where, where Clemson does not. The angle I took on this, Tom, was if Clemson does slip up, I and if these teams finish as strong as we think they will, Clemson has very, very little shot of making the playoffs. And here's my angle. Georgia runs a table. Bama runs a table. 12-0 versus 12-0 in Atlanta. As long – I don't really – I don't think it matters – 
on score unless it was a 30-plus point victory. But if let's just say that is a 14-point or less game. Both of those teams are in the playoffs. Oklahoma, they can have a loss to Texas. If they avenge that loss, they're in the playoffs. Ohio State, they can have one loss, and they win the conference. They're in the playoffs. And I'm telling you, this is what Clemson better be very – wary of and this is why they better run the table and run the table convincingly because imagine this setup right here georgia number one let's say georgia beats bama georgia number one versus ohio state number four you have jake Fromm versus justin fields two three matchup oklahoma versus bama that would break every television record that has ever been in college football jalen hurts versus tua tungavaloa I'm telling you, that is very could be very close to happening, and that is why Clemson ended up on the loser list because with Georgia and, – and that's the thing. See, one one team we didn't even mention, Clemson's first win was Georgia Tech, 42-14. to 14. Okay, that's a pretty impressive win. That's a conference win, and I just went on a, a seven-minute rant about not, you know, not being disrespectful when you beat a conference team by, you know, 20-something points. But the team that, Georgia, the team that Clemson beat by, by 28 points lost to the Citadel. I mean, North Carolina lost to Wake Forest. Uh, A&M is going to be the strongest win, and South Carolina is going to be their second toughest game, in my opinion. And, wow, both those teams reside in the SEC. Dabo popped off all year about ACC being tough, but those that's going to be his strongest two wins, and that's why Clemson ended up on the losers in the loser column. So, yep. And not only will those uh, two be his strongest two wins, between the two of them, by the time the season's over, those two teams combined will likely have – I'm going to set the over-under at eight losses. South Carolina oh, and yeah. Texas A&M yeah. combined, eight losses over Oh, for sure. I Yeah, I would go over on that for sure. <laughs> but – uh all right, let's move into our meaningless topic of the day. And this one is one I've been dying to get to. Um, <laughs> you might remember about in the mid-90s, there was a magazine came out. And I, don't even, I don't even know if it's still in circulation. It should be. It's a very good magazine. It was called Maxim. And it was basically Playboy without the, the naked women. And since we would never buy a Playboy, if we did buy a Playboy, no. it would only be to read the articles. Maxim was right up our alley. No naked chicks and very good articles. And it was it's kind of like Barstool before Barstool was Barstool because Maxim would have these goofy things like, um, you know, 50 things to do when you're in Seattle, Washington, just different different things. And Tom one time read an article that says how to apply for the NBA draft, and I'll let you take it over from there, Tom. <laughs> the year was 1995. I, uh, I think, yeah, 1995. If you're an NBA fan, then or now or whenever, it was it was the year that the NBA decided to go on strike. And I was an optimistic, poor college student, and I was just beside myself flabbergasted about the lockout that year. I could not, still can't, imagine the money these guys get for playing a game. And as Tiffin just noted, it was, I happened to have that Maxim article on my mind. I had just recently read an article in Maxim about uh, how to declare for the NBA draft. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so 
I and let me give you guys a little background. I did not play college basketball. I played high school basketball one year, I think my tenth grade year, and that was my only year. Uh, we did we did field some intramural squads. We we were really tough too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I decided to declare for the NBA draft, and, and the commissioner at the time, Mr. David Stern, uh, resided in New York. And per the Maxim magazine, I had no idea whether or not the, the magazine article was accurate or not. But let me just read you this quick letter that I wrote to David Stern, the commissioner of the <laughs> National Basketball Association 1995. Dear Commissioner Stern, I'm writing this letter to declare myself eligible for the upcoming NBA draft. I hereby renounce my remaining college eligibility. I know that there are some difficult situations in the current league. I hope this letter finds finds you well and that will provide you some alternatives that will be very useful for not only you, but also for the fans of the entire National Basketball Association. Upon being drafted, I am willing to play for one-fourth of the current league minimum. As I am a dedicated sportsman, my work ethic will be unparalleled in the NBA. I will be willing to practice all year round. If my performance in a game is not what it should be, I have no problem with practicing immediately before or after a game. I'm a team player. I will do whatever it takes. I am willing, even willing to play for the Nuggets. If I am given the chance to play in your league, I am sure you will find that there will be no more grateful player than I. You will never have to worry about me striking or locking out. I will just be happy to be there. To make your decision a little easier, I am willing to donate one half of all my endorsements to the league. To make your decision even more easier, I have also enclosed a copy of my relative skills and attributes that qualify myself to play in the NBA. Thank you for your time, and could you please send the necessary paperwork for my entry into the draft? I'm not going to read you my entire resume, but I'll just give you a couple of excerpts here. Uh, under experience, I had played a single year of high school basketball in the small southern town of New Brockton, Alabama. Played on multiple intramural teams at the University of Alabama and have played at many YMCA and various playgrounds as well as participated in many pickup games across the state. <laughs> I can also slap the backboard on layups. <laughs> that's, the way I, that's the one I was waiting on. <laughs> I can set excellent picks. I was willing to play free if my free throw percentage is not above 65%. <laughs> I can provide no-look passes behind my back, and I'm also willing to draw charges. There were some other (laughs) items there. (laughs) But in conclusion, I said, P.S., I hope this resume makes your decision a little easier. Feel free to drop my name around the league to various organizations. (laughs) And so I I dropped that in the mail, you know, sort of as a goof, going, hey, that's funny. A few weeks later, I uh, uh, received the, the following letter with the National Basketball Association letterhead, which I hold in my hand now. <laughs> we got to tweet I, that out, dude. I, I, I keep it. Dear early entry applicant, <laughs> we have received your letter notifying the NBA of your decision to make yourself eligible for the NBA draft. Scheduled to take place on June 30th, 1999. So apparently my... Uh, a, my original thing where I was remembering 95 was incorrect. I guess it was in 99 or 98 was the thing. 98, to continue, yeah, it says, uh, 
In order to evaluate your application, please complete the enclosed 1999 NBA Draft Early Entry Application Form and return it as soon as possible to the NBA at the address provided for uh, for the application to my attention. Aminta <laughs> Jedlica, Staff Assistant, NBA. <laughs> so, so I return my paperwork. Story. Yep, got into the draft, and unbelievably, I did not get drafted. Crusher should have hired oh, an agent. That is a that is a great. Yeah, that's the thing though. You you did maintain your uh, you maintain your amateur status, so you could play in intramurals at ninety nine, and that was a big help. Yeah, it was. It was. I think we got the second round that year. All right, dude. We are. I know the listeners are going to be shot. We're running way over time right now, so uh, <laughs> let's get in, let's get into games of the week. And, uh, man, we could really go on and on about these two. We've got two great ones coming up, uh, 2.30 tilt and then a 7 o'clock. Um, first up, we have Auburn and A&M. It's is at A&M. Line's around four right now, A&M. Wrong team favored, by the way. I'm all in on Auburn at this point. They're, they've been slopping around in games. They they run it up late. The, you know, the, if, you, if all you do is look at the scoreboard, you're impressed. But, man, I just got a feeling that it's going to be 2013 all over if they beat A&M. And then if they somehow pull off a win against LSU three, four, five weeks later, whatever, the ACC West is in trouble. But I think I think it's going to be a close game in the fourth quarter. There's going to be a pass that bounces off of somebody's butt, hits another dude in the head, goes off the popcorn cellar in the third row, and uh, Seth Williams pulls it in for a tiptoe touchdown. And, wow, thanks for coming out, guys. Uh, Auburn, you know, 24, A&M, 22. So Seen that before. I'm, I'm, I'm Auburn all the way. Well, this is where we see whether or not A&M folds like a cheap 10 or whether they make a run for the West. They were a dark horse to start the year, but it clouded over pretty quickly over there in Clemson. Now, are they better than they showed in Death Valley? Did I say Valley? I think that's Death Valley, if I remember right. <laughs> we'll find out Saturday, but I'll go on record to say that the loser of this game will take a direct downward spiral the rest of the year. Uh, the winner still has a shot to make oh, a run. We hope but, it's Auburn. Yeah, but as one of my favorite childhood radio shows used to say, Leonard's loser, Auburn. So we both picked Auburn. I picked them to win. You picked them to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent All right. point, sir. Uh, next game is the premier game, uh, night game. CBS has used – they have taken away – they have ripped from our clutches our 7 o'clock annual nighttime slot with LSU, and they've given it to Notre Dame, those bastards. But Notre Dame mm-hmm. and Georgia face off in our second game of the week. And, uh, Tom, I'll let you start on this one. All right, so I can't find a way to talk Notre Dame into being competitive in this game. They are likely a worse team than they were last year, playing a better team than they did a year ago in the playoffs. And we all remember how that turned out. Georgia probably has the best offensive line in the country, and they are harder to score on than some of your previous girlfriends. They're at home. Tickets for the game are going for $3 million a pair, I believe. Saw that on Craigslist. It's the perfect storm. Get on them. Yeah. I like Notre Dame to keep it close. I base that on absolutely nothing but going against every public out there. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I've you know, the path to victory. I mean, Cole Kublick and a host of others has they've just said there's there's no way that Georgia uh, that Notre Dame wins, which is very concerning. If you're better, you know that is a very concerning thing. But dude, sometimes Vegas doesn't. You know, sometimes Vegas has it wrong. And uh, the line's 14. I think Georgia covers. I, I, I think they're going to make a statement. Georgia is pissed. And, and granted, last year, technically, Oklahoma got Georgia's spot. I put in air quotes, Georgia's spot in the playoffs. But we all know who did not belong in the playoffs last year, and it was Notre Dame. And if you if this is the first time you listen to the podcast, you know how much I loathe Notre Dame. But, you know, this last year they went 12-0. This year they do have to play somebody away from South Bend. South Bend. I, do, I feel like Georgia leaves no doubt, and uh, I think it's a beatdown city. It, uh, Georgia did announce a blackout, which is kind of amusing to Bama Ooh. fans. But uh, <laughs> it, I, don't, I don't think it backfires on them this time. I really believe – I'm thinking Georgia 38, Notre Dame 14. Oh, it's funny you said that. I was just thinking in my mind, too, that if you'd have asked me to fill out a little, uh, you know, sheet – at the beginning of the year that said, you know, what are the scores of this game, this game, whatever. And I'd have got to the Georgia-Notre Dame game. I was thinking in my head I would have said 38-10. to 10. And, and that there's no reason for me to change that opinion with the sole exception of the line come out to be 14. I just thought it would be bigger. I, you know, I just I, yeah. I, I have no idea why it's uh, as small as it is, and everybody and their brother thinks the same way, which is which is the reason why I'm going, hey, I think Notre Dame keeps it close. Yeah. Well, you know, I listen to Packer, the the guy, Mark Packer, off of uh, Channel 84 at 3 drive time, you know, afternoon drive time. Yep. And he was talking today about, he's like, you know, 3 versus 7, why, why would 3 versus 7 – be a 14-point line. I'm like, dude, because ain't nobody in the freaking right mind believes Notre Dame is number seven. I mean, no doubt. they should be 15. They should be 17 range, something like that. But that's why it's a 14-point line, because Notre Dame is perennially overrated, and Georgia's about to bite them in the butt. All right, moving along. We're going to recap lines of last week. And, dude, I have been beating my chest the last two weeks prior to this. I was 2-0 and and 2-0. and and I kept the zero intact, it just, but except it goes in front of the dash this time. I was 0-2. Mississippi State was a disappointment. Um, Sorry, and, and you know the me. thing is, I really felt good about Mississippi State. Not a problem. Feel free. I really felt good about Mississippi State when they went up seven points, uh, whatever, 24 to 10 or what, or 24 to 17, I think might have been the score. I'm like, okay, you know, a three and out right here, and they're gonna they're gonna cover. They're gonna score. They're gonna cover, and they kick the ball off. The K State guy hesitates, and then he commences to run it a hundred yards untouched, and then K State never looked back. So I took a big L on that one, and then I did not like any games last week. Uh, I had over on the Arizona game. I don't even remember who they played. I went to bed. The over under seventy four and a half. The final score was twenty eight to fourteen. So <laughs> that was an epic <laughs> fail. So I'm licking my wounds at zero and two. Well, I'm at I'm at one and one myself. I had Houston, who should have had the outright win, as they led most of the game and then actually fell behind by two scores late, only catching eight or eight and a half. But uh, they did get the last TD and got the uh, cover at the end. So that was nice, but. 
Uh, also had North Carolina State a win against that vaunted West Virginia rushing attack, and uh, they were back and forth of the first half, but uh, West Virginia pulled away in the second half, and I, you know, I was just flat out on the wrong side of this one, and this is the first game this year where I felt I was just, you know, I just plain picked the wrong side, so let's hope those are few and far between. Uh, I, I hope they are as I move into this week's picks because my first one, if you want to check your notes and say that we're moving into this week's picks, but uh, my first one, I'm going Ole Miss over California. Okay. Uh, unranked over ranked team, which is one play that I love. Ole Miss, we didn't expect much out of. And... We're talking about a team that was an underdog to Memphis in week one where I had Memphis who should have covered. Uh, and and now Ole Miss, two games later, is going to be favored over a ranked team. I mean, <clears throat> and not only that, Cal is getting huge credit for beating Washington. Uh but if you look, they played two other cupcake games and and really struggled with both of those. Didn't didn't beat them very by very much at all. Less than ten points on both. Um, so my thought here: Washington's overrated. Ole Miss is just gonna you know they're gonna be a surprise team out of here, uh, having the SEC West cellar dweller go out and beat a ranked Pac-12 team. Are they Pac-12, Pac-10? I keep forgetting which one they are. So, Pac-12, so that's my I believe. First yeah, okay. All right. That's my first what about number two? Number two, I got my sleeper darling team, the Missouri Tigers over <laughs> the South Carolina Gamecocks. South Carolina's coming off the Bama game, which is always a letdown week uh, after that, and everybody knows how I feel about my Missouri squad. Well, everybody that's listening to this podcast, all three of y'all, let's go. Uh Missouri's nine-point favorites in this East showdown. Nine. That's huge and not expected at this point in the year, which is why I say you should be all over it. That's a big line for for what we really expected. I mean, we're thinking South Carolina's making a run, and I just ran it on how many drives they put together against Alabama, and they come in as a nine-point dog to Missouri. So, yeah, all over Missouri. So is it safe to say you don't like Cox? I don't. Can't handle these cocks. Okay. I got you down. Ole Miss <laughs> minus two, Missouri minus nine. Even though my guy has it nine and a half, I will give you the nine, Tom. Thank you. All right. My two games are I've got Auburn and I've got Georgia, and I've pretty much discussed why. Auburn plus four, wrong team favored. Feel free to take this on the money line. I've already taken it on the on the points. Just in, I'm hoping for the sweet spot. I would love to get the Texas A&M 21, Auburn, uh, you know, 20, that the, the get the loss and the betting win. But I really feel like Auburn wins this one. And Georgia 14. Uh, this one is right team favored, but Vegas is off by around nine points. I think you mentioned that you, you felt the line should be higher. I really think it should be around 20, 21 points. And uh, I, I just – I think Vegas – like I said, Vegas misses them. It's amazing to watch how many they get right. I mean, the, it, the obscure games – like I just look, New Mexico is playing New Mexico State this week, and New Mexico's favored by four and a half. And I guarantee you when you get out the paper Sunday morning – 
that game will be within 10 points, meaning that toward the end of the game, you know, one score would have been a backdoor cover for the other team. So, But I sometimes Vegas does miss them. They've got this Georgia game wrong. So we're on the record. Ole Miss, Missouri is Tom, and then Auburn, Georgia is me. And uh, we've got three favorites. That is very uncharacteristic of us. But, Woo-hoo. oh, well. You can't make an omelet without busting up some eggs. Just ask Gus Malzahn how um, Waffle House does it. All right. Instagram Babe of the Week. Now, this one here is going to be hard-pressed to beat our last Instagram Babe of the Week last week, which was Connor Ass Alley. And (laughs) there was a great, great sign on game day, and I tweeted it out, and I said, Tom, remember, we knew him before he was famous. But this girl is named Daisy J, and her Instagram uh moniker username whatever you want to call it is daisy dot j and it's d-a-i-s-y dot j-a-e and the reason she made it she was going to be instagram model of the week uh eventually but not this soon but she put something out on her story the other day on instagram and i took umbrage with it and i slid up and slid in her dms and and told her i took umbrage <laughs> with that and lo and behold she t- she texted me back and said it was just a joke so i'm like Cool. I've been talking to a famous person. So I text him like, hey, I said, we have a podcast and we do an Instagram model of the week. And um, I thought about including you. Would you know, would you mind? And uh, not that I always ask permission. <laughs> Normally, we just throw them on there. But um, I said, look, I said, we have like, I said, we've got much less than 50 listeners. So don't think you're about to get a huge bump in, uh, in followers. But she texts back with a sure, no problem, and a little winky face. And that winky face <laughs> goes a long way with me. So, Daisy.J is from Switzerland. She lives in Miami, Florida. So, it, she is closer than Paige Hathaway. And Paige Hathaway, by the way, since our last podcast, has become a mother. So, congrats to oh, her. Congratulations, Paige. Yeah. So, I sent you a picture of Daisy.J, uh, Tom. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, I could have had better thoughts if I'd known about the winky face DMs you were sliding around everywhere. Wow. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what, you caught me on a bad week, honestly. Maybe the, the winky face would have had more going forward or whatnot, but this week, Deb finally broke down and told me I was her best friend. I've been seeing googly oh. hearts all week. I know. So... Hey, yeah, there's 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 nothing left. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, there, if I'd have known that, I, Daisy J would have gone on down the road because I, I would have known there was no way she could top Deb. But hey, that wraps it up. I feel like we blitzed through I, I, uh, the uh, the games of the week, which should be the meat of the, the podcast. I feel like we just glossed nobody over. listens but to our okay. analysis. I got my rent. <laughs> I got my rant out of the way. Uh, So that's going to wrap it up. Remember, if you're traveling to Auburn from College Station this weekend, two things. First off, the game is a home game for A&M, so you need to turn around. But let's say you're going to get some very overrated lemonade at Tumor's Corner. If you're legit going to Auburn for something, go east till you smell it and then north till you step in it. Take it easy, guys.